0: Turn your attention right now to Isaiah. We're continuing our series in A Way in the Wilderness. We're in a series, Way in the Wilderness. And so I want to give you our our launching point in Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 35. Isaiah 43, we read it. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And Isaiah 35 and 6. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness. This is at the end of the verse. And streams in the desert. Amen. God is going to do a work in the in the in the desert areas of our lives. Amen. God is going to do a prophetic miracle work in the dry places of our lives. And so I'm continuing this series today away in the wilderness, rivers. Rivers in our desert. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you again for your worship in the house. It feels good in the presence of the Lord. I think we ought to just put our hands together and magnify the Lord one more time. Would you do that? Would you just magnify the Lord one more time? God, we praise you and we lift you up. We magnify you in this house because you're worthy. Amen. And I don't need a rock to cry out in my place. I'm going to worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Away in the wilderness. And so today we're continuing specifically. We want to talk to you about rivers in dry places. <clears throat> we told you uh, last week that uh, the desert land or wilderness is defined as a parched place, a desolate solitary wasteland. It's lonesome, a place of uncertainty, dry, barren, without life, uninhibited, abandoned, forsaken. And often when we think of a desert, we think that's the place where things go to die. Amen. And there's just not much hope in a desert land, in a wilderness land. Have you ever been through a time in your life that felt like a wilderness? It felt dry. It felt like there was no life, that you couldn't, everywhere you turned, you couldn't find any source of strength or sustenance for your life. That's a wilderness experience. That's a dry place. That's a desert experience. Amen. But I've come to tell you that even wildernesses can have a place of a miracle within them. Amen. That God will do a work even in a dry place in our lives. Amen. In 1948, we said last week that Israel became recognized as a nation again. And since 1948, their population has increased tenfold. Though surrounded by desert nations and desert land, these, uh, th- this, this nation of Israel is so blessed of God that they have become a garden in the midst of a desert land. Because God has covenanted with the nation of Israel and blessed them, He has caused them to have what no other nation in that uh, that area has, and that is the covenantal blessing between them and their God. And he has blessed them with so much water as a fulfillment of the prophetic words that he made to that nation that they have become a multi-billion dollar producer of water-intensive crops such as vegetables, vegetables, Produce, fruit, and dairy, all because of the excess water that God has caused the nation of Israel to have, like no other land in that region. Amen. We said, last week that they have access to so much fresh water springs that they actually export their water to their neighboring nations around them because God made a promise to the nation of Israel I will bless you like no other nation. I will be with you like no other nation. And the nation of Israel no larger than Lake Michigan is a single nation surrounded by by enemies that would love to take them out and yet the hand of God is on the nation of Israel I say that for this purpose they're the smallest nation in the area but if God be for us who can be against us hallelujah and if God is for Israel who can be against them and win? And so against all odds, God has raised up that nation to be blessed among dry nations. They are a fertile, ripe, green, bountiful country in the midst of a desert land. Why? All because God made a promise. God made a promise to a nation But can I tell you, God didn't just make a prophetic utterance to a nation of Israel in the word of God, amen, that he would miraculously provide for them through a covenant, amen. But this is also in Isaiah that we read, a messianic uh, book, and it is it is intended for us to understand that God is saying, I'm going to send my Messiah. I'm going to send myself and redeem my people. Amen. And so out of God himself, he stretches forth and he reveals himself into time. The Bible says that he wraps himself in flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 1, the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Amen. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. And so this God of Israel wraps himself in flesh, and he says, I will do for you what, what no one else could do for you. And so God becomes this, this Messiah, if you will, and he sends forth his son, born of a woman. Amen. And the Bible says that the word became flesh. Amen. Now this isn't a separate part of God. This isn't a distinct part of God that's separate from Him. This is God projecting Himself into time. Amen. And so He's born of a woman. Amen. And we see this baby child grow up and He becomes the Messiah. And it is Him that will redeem us back to Him. And it is Him that will save us from our sins, the Bible says. And the government shall be upon His shoulders. Amen and that that he will cause all things to come in alignment according to his word that is god in the flesh through the sonship of jesus christ he is the son because he is born of a woman a man but he was completely god and he was completely man Amen. And so I'm thankful that God of the Old Testament saw a way to come and redeem man back to Him. I'm going somewhere, and I'm not off track from the desert quite yet. You may think I am, but I'm going somewhere because I want you to understand that God has a purpose and a plan in order to bring His Word to pass and to bring it to fruition. And so cut to that God says through the prophet Isaiah, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. Praise God. I'm going to do something in a dry place. And so God not only springs up the wells to come forth in a dry land of Israel, but God looks down in time and He says, I'm going to do a new thing in humanity. And I'm going to cause a dry place in the the history of time. I'm going to cause water to come forth. I'm going to cause there to be pools and rivers to come forth in a dry place. And so He sends His Son into the world and in a dry desert land comes a Messiah that would bring forth the rivers of the Holy Spirit into our lives praise God because God brings his word to pass and so Isaiah is not just a prophetic word uh, of what God will do for a nation of Israel and thank God it is that But it's not just that. It's not just a picture of what God will do for a nation in the Middle East. It's also a messianic verse that God is gonna send his Messiah and God is gonna do what no one else could do. And he's gonna bring a fountain and a river in a dry place in humanity, amen. And he's gonna pour out rivers of living water in a dry place, hallelujah. And so he says, behold, I will do a new thing in Isaiah 43. The New Living Translation in Isaiah 35 and 6 would word it this way. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams with water in the the wasteland. Verse 7, the parched ground will become a pool and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh, grass, and reeds and rushes will flourish where the jackals once lived. In other words, he's prophesying and saying, where there was desolate, parched, dry land, I'm going to cause it to flourish. In the midst of dry, desert, arid land, I'm going to cause it to be a a fountain and cause life to come forth where there was no other way. And so I want to preach to you today, the river in the desert is Jesus Christ. The river in the desert is Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I tell you, the God of the Old Testament, he was the water in the desert. Amen. That water wasn't separate from him. That was the fulfillment of God's desire to bring forth a miracle for his people. And can I tell you, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of a miracle that God has for every one of us here today. Jesus is the water that you need. Yes, he is yes he is and so i want to read to you john chapter seven but before we get there i want to give you context before we read that verse it's a familiar verse that we all have probably read and maybe could quote we we we've heard it and we've heard it quoted it's talking in john chapter seven about the last day of the feast of tabernacles but i want to give you some old testament context for what's happening in john chapter seven so first let's go to Zechariah 14. Pick up with verse 16 if you would. <coughs> Excuse me. And it shall come to pass, Zechariah 14 and 16, that everyone who is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king. Watch this. The Lord of hosts to keep what? The feast of the tabernacles. Verse 17. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So he's saying you've got to come to the Feast of Tabernacles in order to receive the rain. And so in the Old Testament, during this Feast of Tabernacles, on the last day of this week of the feast, they would pray for rain. They would make a concerted effort to pray for rain. Rain was life. Rain meant crops. Rain meant uh, 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 success. And so everything revolved around rain in the desert. And so can I tell you, they needed a miracle from God. But they were in luck god is a god of miracles and he made a promise to them that if you'll pray for rain i'll send the rain if you'll have a heart for rain i'll fill that heart if you'll seek me for rain i'll send the rain and so on the last day of the feast of tabernacles it was their custom That they would go, uh, they would play the shofar and they would uh, travel up to the, the temple or the synagogue and they would pour out a flask of water as a gift unto the Lord, a sacrifice and say, God, give us rain. And so we pour out this water and God, would you give us rain? And so that is the context. Now I want us to go to John chapter 7. That is the backdrop that is happening in John chapter 7 they would go to the temple and pray for rain and for the Messiah to come. Why? Why the Messiah too? Because they knew Isaiah chapter 35 and chapter 43 in which when the Messiah comes, he will bring forth rivers in the desert. They knew the prophetic utterance of Isaiah. And so they would pray for the Messiah and they would pray for rain. So watch this, John seven thirty-seven, on the last day, That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out in the middle of this feast that they're praying for rain and the Messiah. What does Jesus say? If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. The boldness and audacity of Jesus to stand up on the day of the Feast of Tabernacles and say, You're looking for somebody and you're looking for rain. Guess what? I'm both. <laughs> if you will come unto me, I will give you to drink. In other words, Jesus was saying, You're looking for the Messiah, I'm Him. You're looking for rain, I got it. Hallelujah. And so Jesus stands up on that crucial last day of the feast and he cries out, I am the Messiah and I am the water. He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Not come anywhere else, not go anywhere else. Come to me, he says. I'm the fountain. I'm the water. I'm what will fill your soul. I'm what will fill you up. Can I tell somebody here today, you've been looking in all the wrong places to get full in your life. Jesus is the only thing that'll fill you up. Jesus is the only thing that'll fix what's wrong in your life. Huh? No amount of prescription pills, no amount of sedation, no amount of anything that we can get our hands on, no amount of addictive drug, no amount of any kind of habit, uh, a habitual thing that, that would be in our lives, nothing will fill us like Jesus can. Amen. He's the water. Amen. He's the one that fills us up. You've prayed for water. He says, come and drink. You're looking for the Messiah. I'm Him. Jesus was the water that they longed for you see even in the the nation of Israel back in the Old Testament they wandered in the wilderness the Bible says for 40 years the Bible says that God provided a miracle for them back in the Old Testament as they wandered in the wilderness wherever they went the Bible says that there was a rock that would dispense water please someone explain to me how that happens now I don't know whether physically that rock rolled around the desert and followed them wherever they went or if God just provided a rock wherever they were going to be as they wandered and it caused it to come full of water. Whether the rock followed them or whether water followed them through strategic places. However that works, I don't really care. The point is it's a miracle either way. I don't need a rock rolling around the wilderness to see that it's a miracle. Even if everywhere they went, God would just cause a dead, dry uh, well to spring forth. That's still a miracle. Can I tell you, God's got a miracle for you wherever you go. You can live in a dry, parched world, but God's got a well that can spring up in life in you. Yes, he can. And so Exodus 17 and Numbers 20, we see in the Old Testament that Moses would, would either speak to the rock or strike the rock and there would be water that would come forth. Either way, however, whether the rock was already there or whether it was rolling around following them, I mean, that's pretty bizarre if that's what was happening. But you know what? God's pretty uh, nifty the way he does stuff. He does, he does whatever he wants to do by the way this is his creation this is his planet not ours this is his world not ours your life is his life not yours guess what he wants to do a miracle and it's all his anyway why don't you release him to do a miracle no matter what it looks like You say pastor you don't know what I'm up against that's all right. I got some pretty cool stories in the Bible that says it doesn't matter what you're up against God can do it it can be a dry desert God can give you water It can be a rock. How does God get water out of a rock? I don't know, but God does it. God does some pretty cool stuff. If we'll recognize it's all His, just do the miracle, God. Hallelujah. And so Moses is commanded by God to strike the rock and water begins to flow in a dry place. More importantly, how the water gets there is less consequential, whether it's in a rock or in a well or in a cup or doesn't matter. The point is they're in the desert and God provides water. Amen. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, jump to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. And in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians he makes reference to this same miracle water that followed the nation of Israel around in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10 and 4. For they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. The Apostle Paul says that there's something that you need to recognize. God did a miracle in the desert. In a dry wilderness place, God caused there to be water where there was never water. He caused there to be nourishment where there was never nourishment. He caused life where there was never life before. I'm telling you, God knows how to do the miracle in your life. I don't care what you're up against or how long it's looked bleak and dark and and, and, and nothing good could ever come out of this. Can I tell you, God is the God of water in the desert. God's the God of, of making miracles in the wilderness. He's good at that. And so they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, the apostle Paul says about the nation of Israel. But not only does Paul affirm that God did a physical miracle for the children of Israel in the wilderness, he is affirming that it was a real miracle, physical miracle for the nation, but Paul doesn't leave it alone. He says, now I want to open your spiritual eyes. I don't just want to talk about a physical well or a river or physical water that kept them alive. I want to talk to you about the Spirit. Watch this. Paul goes deeper and he says, and that miracle rock that gave them life-saving water in the middle of a wilderness, Jesus was that rock. Woo! Paul says he didn't just give a nation physical water, he reached back in time. And he did a miracle back then when it was impossible so that we today could see our impossibility and say, we serve the same God. And he can do the miracle today. And so Paul says, Jesus was that rock. Jesus was that water. Hallelujah. Paul is kind of sounding crazy at this point. But at that point, he doesn't realize that 2,000 years later, he's given us the the words to a hymn that some of us are old enough to, to have sang, how many remember, Jesus is the rock in a weary land? Huh? We get it from this scripture. Where Paul refers to Jesus being the water in the wilderness what was he saying Paul was saying Jesus that water in the wilderness is a typology of what Jesus would become in our dry desperate lives Jesus is the well that we can drink from hallelujah and so just as God did a miracle for his people back in the wilderness He is providing water yet again today. I don't know about you, but I felt the river flowing here today. I felt the river flowing. Amen. I I stood over there and I just began to realize that, that the water was flowing around me. And God was doing a work in this room. Amen. Aren't you thankful you attend a church? You come to a church where the water still flows. Amen. That the river of the Holy Spirit still flows through this church. I'm so thankful that not just uh, you know certain churches have it. Amen. Not not just certain locations have it. He's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. And if we'll respond to him, his spirit will flow through this place and in your life. Listen, somebody wants some or rather God wants somebody to know here today that if he could cause water to appear in the desert, he can cause water to appear in your life. What's been dried, plucked up, and dead and 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 no hope in your life, can I tell you? I'm speaking life to it right now. In the name of Jesus. G- oh, you don't know how how dead this is in my life. No. In Jesus' name, spring forth. In Jesus' name, come to life. In Jesus' name. And that's not because I said it, I got no power, but he does. And there's power in the name of Jesus. When you speak life to your situation, you better believe it, brother and sister. It's going to come to life. Amen. It's going to spring up in your life if you'll speak life to it. Jesus is the water that we need. Hallelujah. See, God picked the harshest backdrop in the Old Testament to do a miracle, He picked the desert. A dry place, no hope, between, between a chapter that was terrible, but a chapter that was supposed to be better, but now this is so bad that even the bad chapter is starting to look good and, and the children of Israel started to murmur and complain and say, Did you bring us out here to die? We'd rather go back. You ever been there? You ever been there in your life? Well, I tried and it didn't work out and I'm confused now. And you're somewhere between an old life and a new life and there's questions and there's disappointment and all this defeat and dryness all around you. Huh? You been there? You been there? Well, I got good news for you. God doesn't just exist in the promised land. He said he's going to do a miracle in between. A miracle in the midst of the wilderness. A miracle before you get to the promise. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody here today. You're not quite there yet, and you wonder if you're ever going to get there, and you feel like you're a million miles from what God is ever going to do in your life. Can I help you? God's not waiting a million miles to do this. He's going to bless you right now. He's going to bless you in the wilderness. He's going to bless you in your dry time. Hallelujah. Right in the midst of your wilderness. So he picks the harshest conditions in the Old Testament. Amen. Yes, there's a promised land. Sure, there was an Egypt that they came out of. But God didn't wait to bless his people till they got in the promised land. He started pouring out blessings in the midst of a dry place. In the midst of confusion. In the midst of even murmuring and complaining. And we do it, don't we? Sure we do. Sure we do. But I serve a gracious God and he pours out blessings when we're getting it all wrong. He doesn't wait for you to get it all right and pour out blessings. That's how good he is. That's how good he is. Oh, can I help somebody today? You don't have to go another day without a drink in the spirit. You don't have to go another mile in your wilderness. You don't have to go another sunset sitting in your desert wondering why you're still there. God can show up with a drink of water in the midst of your dry place. He'll provide a miracle water, amen, for an entire nation just to prove to us today that if He can do it for a nation in a wilderness, He can do it for you in your desert. And so God did a physical miracle so that he could prove that he'd do a spiritual. He did a physical miracle in a real physical desert, in a real dry place, so that we would know in our spirit desert, in our spirit wilderness, that God can come and he can well up. No matter what the questions are, no matter what the confusion is, He can well up inside you like a river of living water inside you. In the midst of all your chaos and confusion, He'll pour out that river in your life. Hallelujah. A second ago I told you He's not waiting on you to get it all right before He shows up. huh? Let me prove it to you. Jesus shows up. In fact, the Bible says he goes out of his way on his journey. He says, I must needs go through Samaria. And where does he end up? Sitting at a well. And he walks up and he says to this woman, Give me drink. And she looks at his appearance and can tell he's Jewish. She's Samaritan. She's not like him. He's not like her. And she says to him, What are you doing asking me to give you water? When the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. Huh, watch this. He says, give me to drink, verse 8, then verse 9. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But Jesus, I love him. He, he just ignores things that, that will bog you down. He ignores her statement about identity and whether that can limit you and he just skips to the point verse 10 he said if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you give me drink you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water let me give you the backdrop of who he's talking to Samaritan woman begins to talk to her and the story goes that she's not married he says go and get your husband she says i'm not married he says rightly so (laughs) and the man you're living with is not your husband but she drops her water pitcher drops it right there at the well and she goes into the city and she gathers up all the city and she says Come here, a man that told me everything about me. Come to a well and see if he's not the Messiah that you've been searching for. She drops the picture of identity. She drops that thing that, that defined who she was. She stopped talking about Samaritans versus Jews. And she got her, eye, her eyes on a drink of water that would fill her soul. And she went and gathered up the whole city and brought them out to the well to a man that was the water. More than that well ever could be. Jesus says it would not only be a physical blessing that he would bring, but there'd be a spiritual blessing that he would pour out on us. Watch this. John 7 and 38, he who believes in me, Jesus says, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart or belly or innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he concerning the spirit, not a physical water. He's talking about the spirit. If you want rivers of living water to come up out of you, you've got to receive the water that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the water. So what should you expect when this river begins to flow in your life? Musicians, if you'd come. What should I expect when this river begins to flow in my life? When I'm filled or refilled? Well, I'm glad you asked because Acts 2 puts it this way. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can I stop right there? It didn't fill part of the house, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Amen. Then there appeared to them cloven or divided or diverse tongues upon them like as a fire, and each one sat upon them. And watch this, verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Not some of them, not a few of them, not most of them. They all were filled with the Holy Spirit. And how did they know it? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What does it sound like and feel like when you get that water flowing through your life? You begin to talk in another language. You begin to release your tongue to speak through the Spirit. It's not a language you know it's not a language you speak it's a heavenly language it's a language that your spirit is praying through you that you may not understand you may not understand the words that are saying but the spirit that's coming inside of you is taking over a member that the Bible says no man can tame no man can tame this tongue the Bible says and yet, that is exactly what the Holy Spirit comes in, takes over, and begins to talk in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you go around the rest of your life talking in tongues and you don't talk in English anymore, and that wouldn't be effective. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, don't resist that allowing the Spirit to speak through you. You say, well, I don't know how to talk that language. That's okay. You know what I love about my grandbabies? They don't hardly know how to talk at all, but they'll come up and just gibber jab to me, and I love it. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And this grandpa or when my kids were babies, this dad's heart, I don't need them to say certain things for me to understand what they're meaning or, or, what the, or to make my heart feel good. Amen. That spirit will speak through you and you may not understand at all what you're saying, but the Father knows. He knows exactly what you're saying because the Holy Ghost that he has sent to fill you is speaking through you. So even if it just sounds like gibberish, it's okay. It's okay. Because that is identifying, listen, talking in tongues is not meant to edify other people. The Bible talks about that. We don't get up here and try to preach a sermon in tongues. You wouldn't get anything out of that if I spoke in tongues up here the whole time while I was preaching, right? You wouldn't be edified by that. So I talk in a language you understand. But, boy, we get into prayer, and the Holy Ghost starts to move. And I heard it here today. I heard some prayer language in the room. We weren't up front trying to edify people and talk to people. We were talking to God, and I heard some tongues in the room. I heard some heavenly language in the room. Release yourself to speak through that. It's not for anybody else, just you and Jesus. It's you taking a drink of Jesus. It's you being filled up with the Spirit of Jesus in your life. It's you saying, I'm dry and I need a drink. It's been a little while since I've had a good drink, amen. Since I've really gotten a big scoop and a big dose of the Holy Ghost. It's been a little while. And so when you begin to drink in the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter how it flows through you. And let me just tell you, It also doesn't matter how perfect you've been. If you will repent of your sins and give it to Jesus, amen, God will take you and fill you. Can I help somebody? You're never going to live right till you get the Spirit of God in your life. Stop trying to be good in yourself. Well, I'll come to God when I get myself figured out. said no one ever. Right? We can't do it. No one's ever been able to do that. Oh, we might think we can. We might think we will. You're never going to fix you good enough to come and receive this. So let me speak to every broken person in this room, beginning with me. We are filled and refilled, not because of our goodness, not because of how good we were that week, not because of, of all the boxes we checked off that week. Amen? Don't get me wrong, the Word of God will call you to some things. So this idea that, oh, we live for God, so there are no boxes. No, because I live for God, I'm going to endeavor to submit my life and do some things. I'm not going to go too far down that road because we're going to preach next week. Amen. About what else the Spirit does in our lives. But stop trying to earn the Holy Ghost. On your best day, you'll never earn it. You'll never be good enough Monday through Saturday to walk in here on Sunday and say, okay, now I'm ready, God. No, we're never ready. All we can do is repent and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I want you to wash me. I want you to clean me. God, I want you, I'm sorry for every vile way that I've been. I'm sorry, God, that I've been the way I've been. But Lord, I want you to take me and fill me. I need a drink of your spirit. In fact, I can never overcome those things unless you fill me. I can actually never overcome that life unless you fill me. And then he comes in with a miracle in the desert. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? I'm preaching to someone here today that you're thirsty, and you're so ready for a drink, and you're not going to wait. You're not going to hit the doors and say, I'll be back when I'm ready. I'll be back when I got it together. You're where you are today, and you know you need a drink. You know you need to come to the well. And you know that it's Jesus that you need in your life. Why don't you get a drink today? As you are. And so I open these altars today. For every thirsty heart. For every hungry soul that's here. Would you come?